The scripture reading today is James 5, verses 9 through 20. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any under oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faithful will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be back with you this week. Looking forward to getting into the Word of God with you. Today, if you have access to a sheet of paper, whether that's your bulletin or whether that is a card in the back of the pew in front of you, there should be a writing utensil somewhere close to you. I want you to take something. I've got three things that I want you to write down today, and don't worry about us taking this up. Uh, Our lesson today is going to be on the openness that should come with fellowship, but uh, this is not so open that you're to look at your what your neighbor next to you is writing on these. This is just for you to write down, but I am going to ask you to do something with this at the end of our time today. First thing I want you to write down on this paper is what you consider your greatest mental or emotional struggle. Your greatest mental or emotional struggle. This is individualized. This is personal. This is what you face, whether that may be depression or anxiety. Maybe that is feelings of inadequacy. Maybe feelings of loneliness. Maybe it's grief that you're experiencing from a loss in your life. It could be a number of things, but something that is a struggle for you uh, mentally or emotionally. The second thing I want you to write down is your greatest physical struggle. You may be at a young enough age where maybe you don't have too many of those. Maybe you've got a whole lot of them and you can't even narrow it down to one uh, that you think is the greatest one. But, But if you can think of that, your greatest physical struggle, your greatest health challenge, uh, what challenges your body the most. And then the third thing I want you to write down on this, and this may be the most personal of all, and that is your greatest spiritual struggle. If you have an ongoing sin which you fight, And if we're honest, we all have something. But if you have one in particular that has been a challenge for you, 
is an ongoing challenge for you, something spiritual in your life, I ask you to write that down as well. Now you can put those away and we'll come back to them at the end of our sermon today. We recently studied the book of James. And the main action item, when you get to the last chapter of James, in our reading today from that section from verse 9 down through verse 20 to close out this epistle, the main action item that the Spirit is inspiring James to drive home to Christians is that we establish in our local churches a culture of openness. Now, we've been talking a lot about fellowship throughout this year. It's been one of our themes, and really the word fellowship, koinonia, just means sharing. It's what we have in common. And it's often not just translated sharing. Many times if you see the words like communion, or you see the word sharing, or you see someone called a fellow soldier or worker, it's got something to do with that fellowship concept. It's what we share in Jesus Christ. Now, James is focusing on the, some very important components of what our fellowship is all about. And that is that as we are growing in these relationships together, we are developing a culture where we are not afraid to open up and share some of our darkest moments, some of our deepest struggles, some of the things that are painful and uncomfortable to talk about. And yet, it is part of the privilege that we have in Christ that we can have this avenue of sharing these things with each other. I didn't ask Cheche to lead Blessed Be the Tie That Binds before our sermon, but it goes along with our sermon perfectly. I thank him for picking that one out. We share our pain. We share our joys. We share our burdens together. Now, that's another text that's tied to this one, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. There's a lot of overlap between Galatians 6 and what we're talking about in James 5 today. You'll want to be very familiar with both of those passages. If you look at this text, and the reason I had to start up with verse 9, is if you go from verse 9 down through verse 20, you're going to find three one another statements here. The first one is in verse 9. We've got one don't, and we've got two do's related to how we treat one another. The don't in verse 9 is don't grumble against one another or complain against one another. That is the first here. The two that we are to focus on doing in this same passage, you're going to find in verse 16, and that is first, confess your sins to one another. And as a follow-up to that, pray for one another. One don't, two do's in the same passage. So this passage is all about how we spend our one another time together. You could spend our one another time complaining about everyone else in the congregation, airing out what you think is wrong with everyone else in the congregation and then the congregation as a whole. Or you could be spending your one another time in genuine confession openness, prayer on each other's behalf, encouragement. That's what this passage is trying to get us to focus on as Christians. How we spend our one another time. And it seems to me that if we can establish a culture in our local church, and let's talk about us specifically today. Let's, let's apply this to us. 
a culture where we are more open and trusting and, and more encouraging and prayerful for each other, then it's not going to leave any room for the complaining about what we see as the, the faults of others in that same congregation. We're going to be too busy doing the things that we should be doing for each other, what we should be sharing together as part of our fellowship. Today, I'm going to walk with you, walk with this, through this passage with you. I ask you to walk through it with me and focus on what it means to develop a culture of openness and fellowship. There are seven commitments that I'm going to ask from you today. Seven commitments that I think go along with the teaching of this passage. If we're going to have a culture where we trust each other, where we're open with each other, where we're willing to share burdens together and even share our spiritual struggles with each other, then we're going to have to establish or at least to reinforce these seven components, these commitments that I'm going to ask from you today. The first is this. It is a willingness to share the burdens, a willingness to open up and talk. Now, this is a two-way stream. I think we struggle with bearing each other's burdens on two fronts. First, the being willing to shoulder the burden of another who has come to you. Sometimes we struggle with, well, I don't know if I want to get involved with that, that person. I've got enough uh, going on with myself. Uh, I'll just see each person, you know, can handle their own business. Now, that's our first area of this that we struggle but I think there is also another element to this, and that is probably even more of a struggle, I would venture to say, for, for us, is the willingness for you to open up and actually admit to someone else that you need some help with a burden that you are carrying. We are very individualistic in our culture. In the Western world, it's been going on for generations. We take pride in many ways in our rugged individualism. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Get to get you, you make it through life on your own. You can do it. You've got the power to do it. Well, certainly the Bible talks about there's a place for individual responsibility. Absolutely. But there is a healthy interdependence, not a, ra a soul radical independence. That, that is not what the scriptures teach. That's not fellowship. That takes you out of the fellowship. If you're not willing to share anything, then you cannot have Christ and his church. It's all about sharing. And so the sharing of the burden, the willingness to talk. Now let's talk about some of those things, you know, even some of those things you wrote down your list before we even get to the spiritual struggles. If you're having some emotional pain, if you're having a mental challenge in your life, if you're having a physical health issue, now look at this text with me and look at verse 14. This gives us an example of that where it says in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? That's a very general term there. But it tells us what you're supposed to do. And by the way, this, this language is in, it's what we call in grammar, these are imperatives. They're in the third person, but they are imperatives, meaning that this is what you really must do. This is what you should do doesn't mean that you have to open up and share everything in your life with everyone else in the church. But it does give you an example of how you can handle something here. Rather than trying to fight that battle with sickness on your own, it gives you an example of call the elders of your church and have them come and anoint you and pray on your behalf. 
And there will be power in that healing and that sharing of you being willing to open up to them. Now you may say, well, we're a congregation that doesn't have elders at the moment. Well, that's true. But the same concept is there to be applied to the trusted members of your congregation. Especially the older members, but even younger members that you have learned to trust as a brother or sister. Call someone. Let them know the willingness to share. Sometimes people will, will come and you know, we hear this as preachers, but I'm sure all of you hear it some, sometimes. And we'll hear, well, well, no one checked on me. No one, no one checked on me while I was in the hospital. No one checked uh, while I was missing for a few weeks. Well, maybe that is our fault. That we, uh, that's, that's partly our fault that we haven't called to see what's going on with you. But it's also partly your fault if you haven't shared with us, hey, that I'm, I'm in the hospital. If you could share that with one person, that would be very helpful. Just for, so, so that someone will know what's going on with you. Opening up and being willing to share. If you are aware of others suffering, be willing to help shoulder the load they are carrying. It doesn't mean that if you're carrying a load that it's my responsibility to come and take that entire load and put it on my shoulders. What it means is that each of us, you involve several people, can help come in and share that load together. We'll carry it together. And ultimately, Jesus Christ is standing right there with us carrying it. He's the ultimate burden bearer. That's what the message of the cross is all about. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about this. It is the fellowship of the cross to experience the burden of the other. If one does not experience it, the fellowship he belongs to is not Christian. If any member refuses to bear that burden, he denies the law of Christ. And that's the language of Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. That's what the law of Christ is. That's how we fulfill it. It's being willing to bear one another's burdens. First, be willing to share with others that you need some help. And second, be willing to come in and shoulder that burden when you know there is a need. Here's the second commitment I ask you to make that goes along with this. Not only to share the burdens, which may be of a physical or emotional or of a, of a mental nature, but also your willingness to confess spiritual fault, to confess your sins to one another. Read it again in verse 16. This passage tells us to do it. 1 John, you get to the end of that passage, right in the same passage of 1 John chapter 1 is what I'm talking about. And you get towards the end of that chapter and it's talking about how don't deny that you're, that you're a sinner you ever get to that point, then uh, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. But you confess your sins and God's faithful and he's just. He's willing to forgive that sin. Now that passage is focusing on your personal relationship with God, being willing to confess to him. James specifically says, though, that we confess to one another, not just to God. Now, if you begin with verse 12, if you look at this idea before you even get down to verse 16, you're going to see something that's an echo of one of Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. That's, that is establishing a principle. If, if you're going to have a culture of fellowship and openness and trust, that's a huge part of it. But that can be applied in a lot of different ways. 
First, it, it, it means, you know, if you're going to commit to something, then follow through on it. And don't just say, oh, sure, I'll be there, and then not show up. But it also means let your words be genuine. Let them be the real you. Come across, tell, tell people what is really on your heart. A willingness to share with each other in honesty where we can trust each other. But here's the thing. We struggle with confession because we are horrified by the fear that others will be horrified by what I have done or by what goes on in my mind. So we remain in the darkness to try to hide from that light that could be shed on that And that darkness is just poison to us. It's where we waste away. Bonhoeffer again. In confession, the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. And I have found that to be true. And many of you have as well. Let me clarify something. I think that we, there are some misnomers that we have about confession of sin. One, I think one, one of the problems is that we, we have kind of have this idea that comes from some other religious traditions that, well, my confession needs to go through someone who is certified to hear a confession, a member of the clergy. Okay, let me go, I'll go to him and he, he's the one, a professional can hear my confession. Well, that's not what we find in the scriptures when the scriptures say that there's not just individuals who are ordained to a priesthood. Everyone who is in Christ is called a priest. First Peter chapter 2, you know, look down through that passage and look, get down to verse 9. You are a royal priesthood. It's part of who we are as Christians. We're a kingdom of priests. We all can hear confession. We all can intercede on behalf of each other. So that's the first misnomer that we have about it. The second is this. One of our traditions, it's not a bad tradition, but it is just a tradition. It's not necessarily good or bad. But it is that we often, after a sermon, will have a song of invitation. And it will be an invitation where you can come forward, as we say, just this is an expression we use for our alignment here, come forward and you can share something with the congregation. Now, that's not just for confession of sin. That can be a moment where you want to share a physical or emotional struggle that's on your heart. Any of these things that we're talking about today, that's an opportunity to do that. That is set up as an opportunity for you to share something with the entire congregation and in some cases you need to sometimes when it comes to confession of sin it may need to be something that you share with everyone maybe it's something you you feel the need to it may be there are certain situations that may call for that you know if you go out and you get a DUI this week 
and your picture is all over the paper and on the internet and on the news and everything else about your drunkenness and, and uh, you know, that something of that nature that is that public, then yeah, everyone already knows anyway. You need to, that's the situation where you need, that calls for a very public repentance uh, of, of what you've done. Confess repent in a public way to be restored to the entire congregation. I think that's a situation that would call for that. But most sin is not going to be that public. Now don't get the idea that your sin does not affect your brothers and sisters because it's not public. It does. That's the idea of being in fellowship with one another. There is a sense, you read through the scriptures, you go to a situation like Achan in the scriptures, you read the book of Joshua, and he took stuff that was supposed to be under a ban that they weren't supposed to have in their own tent, and he took it and he hid it in private. It's just a private sin, just between him and God, right? Well, a lot of people ended up suffering because of his private sin. Sin, if it's left unconfessed, it doesn't remain private. So don't leave it in the darkness. Here's what I'm going to encourage from you is I'm not saying that the invitation song is a bad thing, as I've said. You may need that. You may want to share that with the entire church. But that's not going to be the primary way that you practice the confession of sin to one another. The primary way that you are going to do that is to find a trusted brother or sister or a small group of people in your life that you regard as brothers and sisters and share what is on your heart with them and have them pray for you. Ask them to pray for you. Here's the third commitment I'm going to ask you to make. Share your burdens. Share your sins. Let's talk about the other side of this. If we really want to have a culture where this type of thing is practiced, there also must be a willingness to listen. Now maybe that sounds like a given, but I'm telling you, in a culture where we can barely keep our phone out of sight for five seconds, we're not the best listeners. (laughs) We get distracted very easily. Um, Our attention span is not what it should be. I'm speaking for most of us in general. Now James, the book of James addresses willingness, uh, a willingness to listen. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 19, when it says everyone should be quick to hear or listen, slow to speak. Now that's some tremendous wisdom for what it means to become a good listener. No one is going to be calling on anyone when they are sick or pulling you aside to talk about serious sin in their life if they do not trust that who they are calling, who they are asking to talk with them, is someone who is a good listener. What makes for good listening? Hear someone out before offering correction, reproof, or some other form of counsel. Make sure you hear them out first. Too many times we want to jump right in with the advice, this is what you should do, and we haven't even heard everything that's on their heart. Be be a good listener. Hear, slow to speak. Okay, Quick to hear, slow to speak. In fact, if they are confessing sin to you, they most likely already know that they are in the wrong. 
What they may need, what they probably need, is not a reproof or correction if they are confessing it as sin. They already know they are in the wrong. What they need in that moment is grace. We'll talk about what else is part of that response in just a moment. Now, maybe in rare cases, you catch someone who's bragging about sin in their life. Now, that's a different situation. They're not acknowledging it as sin. You have to take a different tactic. You have to be more confrontational. That's where the reproof, the correction would come in. But a willingness to listen. Now, here's the next one that goes along with willingness to listen. And that's a willingness to respect confidentiality. Now, preacher, you're talking about a culture of openness. I thought we'd just talk about everything openly. No. (laughs) A culture of openness does not mean we feel the freedom to broadcast the faults of someone else to everyone else. If you're willing to hang your dirty laundry out for everyone to see, go for it. But you do not have the right to dig through my hamper of dirty clothes and hang mine out for everyone to see. If you think I need to do that, then maybe you encourage me to do that. But you don't have the right to just go and expose everything. You're going to, nothing will kill a culture of openness more than just people who want to broadcast everyone else's struggles. And that goes back to the complaining to one another that we're not supposed to do. The slandering of one another that's not mentioned in this passage, but it's certainly something that's mentioned throughout the Bible. The gossip that we love just to pass on because it's a juicy nugget that we just want to share with someone else. We've got to respect the privacy of certain matters when people come to you and talk to you about them, they, don't, they shouldn't have to say up front, this is just between you and me. That should be a given, at least in the first step. I know that there are some exceptions. You know, those of us who, who do counseling sometimes, I know if there's, you know, someone, if there's an abusive situation, if there's someone who's in real danger of suicide, those types of things where we might be called to break confidentiality, I know of those exceptions. I know that. I know there's also, you know, some, if you're following the protocol of Matthew 18, it's another passage I encourage you to be familiar with, read verses 15 through 18 there. Matthew 18 is if you need to approach a brother or sister who is in the wrong. And the steps are, you go to them in private. And then if they don't listen to you, then you take two or three witnesses with you. And then if they still don't listen to you, then you reach the last resort of making it known public to the church. I realize that's in there. But we are talking, that passage itself emphasizes the private nature of how most things should be handled. That's how we need to to develop that trust. So we got a willingness to share with others, a willingness to confess, a willingness to listen, a willingness to respect confidentiality. And here's the next part of our response. It's the follow-up. And that is a willingness to forgive and if possible to reconcile. If someone is confessing wrong against you, 
And I hope that we're mature enough to be able to do that. If I've sinned against someone, let me go to that person and tell them that, acknowledge that. And if someone comes to me and acknowledges that, you know what I'm supposed to do? You know what I should have already done, but I'm definitely supposed to do it if they've come to, to me and there is a repentance there, and that is I'm supposed to forgive. And if they come to me and repent, then if possible, it's a situation where we should try to reconcile. If you do not forgive others, then don't expect forgiveness from your Father in heaven, is what Jesus tells us right after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Now what if someone's confessing wrong against someone else in their life? They're telling you of something they've done against someone else and they're very concerned about that. Well, what, what's your responsibility then? I think in most cases your responsibility is to encourage them to talk to that person that they have wronged, to make it right with them, to seek forgiveness with that person, to seek reconciliation with that person. What if it's something like we said of a quote-unquote private nature that no one else would know about, just, just them and God? Well, now you know about it, and that's helpful. They've, they've gotten it out in the light, so you should tell them that you're thankful for that being a what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls a minister of reconciliation and I know that that context is initially we're all ministers of reconciliation when we're sharing the gospel we're trying to to, uh, allow people to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that he died on their behalf that their sins can be taken away but sometimes we have to continue to be ministers of reconciliation between our brothers and sisters and each other, and between our brothers and sisters and God. If someone is confessing to me something that they know is wrong, and they want to repent of it, they want to move forward, one of the places I'm going to take them is 1 John, as I said earlier. 1 John chapter 1 is going to tell you that if you confess your sins then God is faithful and he is just to forgive that sin. That's a message someone needs to know when they are pouring their heart out about something that is a a real spiritual struggle in their life. They need to know that God is there to forgive them, that there is no need for them to carry this guilt forward of feeling unforgiven. And by the way, just those words pronouncing that God has forgiven you... uh, it's, that's not always going to be something that where you just snap a finger and someone feels forgiven and doesn't feel the guilt. Nathan told David after his sin, God has forgiven your sins. David still dealt with a lot of guilt after that. I'd also point them to 1 John chapter 2 that says, God's will is not that we sin, but if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. Remind them that if they've been baptized into Christ, they have a covering in the blood of Jesus. The last couple of verses of James chapter 5 even speak about bringing a sinner back from his wandering. It speaks about the blessing of of that, both for the sinner and for the one who is help, helping guide them back. 
Again, you put this passage with Galatians 6. Galatians 6 verse 1 says to do that, restore such a one. If you are spiritual, meaning if you are applying the fruit of the Spirit in the way that you go about this as a minister of reconciliation, then you do this in a manner of gentleness. You do it with love. The last two that I want to share with you, very briefly, commitments that I ask you to make today. These are ongoing responses, not just something in the moment, but something of making sure that that we are continuing that fellowship over time. Willingness to encourage and to receive encouragement. You need to follow up with someone. If they've talked about something very difficult for you, if they've put a burden on your heart that's been on their heart, Let's follow up with them. Let's not just listen and pray that one time. It may be a situation where you need to check, check on a daily basis. I, I would, uh, you know, some situations are that way. Check in with them each day to see how they're doing. The situation may not call for that, but it may call for a weekly check-in. It may call for something every few weeks where you just periodically write them a note of encouragement. Hey, I haven't forgotten, but I want you to how I want you to feel forgiven. I want you to grow stronger. I want to encourage you in your walk. How are you doing? Use your conversations, use your text messages, use the notes that you write to encourage someone. Fellowship and openness is something that must be ongoing. And the last part of this that goes along with that, and that's a willingness for ongoing prayer intercession. If you look at the text of James 5, Elijah is used as an example of the power of prayer. Confess your sins to one another, and then the follow-up is, and pray for one another because the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And then it gives us Elijah as an example of that. Someone who had a nature like ours, meaning he wasn't the divine son of God, but he was able to approach the throne of grace and ask for help in time of need and ask specific things, not only on behalf of himself, but on behalf of others. And he did it with persistence He did it with consistency, and he did it with fervor. Ongoing prayer intercession. Again, we are not, as the people of God, we are not to just look at one person as the priest who is going to pray on behalf of all of us. You're a priest. You have the privilege of being able to approach the throne of God through your high priest Jesus on behalf of your brother or sister who is hurting. Take advantage of that. Offer intercession for that person. And we come back to your paper at the end of this. Here's your challenge for this week. And this is a more difficult one, I know, than some of the other challenges that I give you sometimes. But I really ask you, to find someone in the body of Christ this week 
someone outside of your biological family and someone, for this particular exercise, someone other than the preacher. Not that I don't want to be here to, to listen to you and, and hear what's going on in your life, but I, I don't want you to, to fall into the habit of just thinking that the clergyman can hear all of the confessions and be praying to God on our behalf. Let's do this all for each other, okay? That that's what we're called upon to do. Find someone that you trust in the body of Christ, a brother or sister, and share these three struggles that are on your piece of paper today. Maybe you even want to exchange the papers with them if they haven't already exchanged theirs with someone else. And see if they will be offering ongoing prayer on your behalf. I think this will be one step to help us to reinforce this culture of openness, of honesty, of trust, of encouragement in our fellowship in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day that you have given us, for the opportunities that we have in front of us to go deeper in our fellowship with each other and with you. Father, may we be willing to talk with each other. May we be willing to share. May we be willing to listen. May we be willing to respect confidentiality. May we be willing to forgive, to reconcile, to not complain against one another, to not have the fears that have held us back from this, Father. Give us courage to do this and help us to offer ongoing prayer on each other's behalf and ongoing encouragement. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ who makes this fellowship possible. Amen. Today we are going to sing that song. If you do have something that you want to share in a more open way with the entire congregation, then this is a great chance to do that. If you want to talk about becoming a Christian, being baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that's accompanied by a genuine faith, a genuine repentance, a genuine confession that you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Or if there's anything else you want to pray about today, please come as together we stand and as we sing.